This is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And as always, I'm glad you've tuned in. We're talking this hour about several Metro Detroiters who are exploring the ways that language affects culture and our lives, both here in Southeast Michigan and around the globe. And now we're joined by a Detroiter who is an immensely talented and self-taught photojournalist, Kenny Karpoff, someone who we had on the show from time to time. Kenny has been back in Detroit now for a few months after spending the past several years documenting through words and images war-torn and ravaged parts of the world that most of us only see on the news or hear about from international reporters from remote villages. Kenny has lived those experiences in the Middle East and in the Central Mediterranean Sea, and now he's working to share all that he's experienced and photographed in a book called Despite It All, We Never Learn. Kenny, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thanks, Stephen. Thanks for having me. It's good to see you in studio. Normally, we're on a, a phone line with you, and you're sort of in a in a boat <laughs> being buffeted yeah. around in the, yeah, in the Mediterranean. Was, uh, yeah, it's happened a few yeah, times. Yeah, we chatted um, when I was on a boat in the Mediterranean, and then we ended up uh, talking one time when I was in Iraq. Uh, that's right. That's also right. Um, uh, so I want to start with the title of this book, despite it all, we never learn. It's a little dark. Uh, <laughs> it sort of does not give me a whole lot of hope for humanity, but I think it's reflective of the kind of things that you've seen and photographed. No, exactly. So essentially, despite it all, uh, never learned. Um, I was reading a New York Times article um, maybe a couple months ago, maybe like three, four months ago, um, that was sort of giving a little more light to the Mediterranean, because as we know, it's um, it's not it's not it's not something that is on the everyday news anymore it's something that is pretty much like back page of sort of like um european papers now mm-hmm. um but now only recently um within the past week it's become like front news again where cnn you know kind of showed you know the picture of the um of carol sort of um like getting arrested and stuff like mm-hmm. that by sea watch 3 um so essentially i was reading this article and it was explaining you know how like we never learn from past mistakes and how you know, obviously the Mediterranean crisis, you know, is is the biggest, you know, crisis since World War II. And then I sort of thought, well, you know, that's that's true. You know, like, you know, like we, we don't learn from our past mistakes. You know, obviously, you know, Germany came back because, you know, like it's Germany, mm-hmm. it's Europe. You know, we care about Europe, you know, for whatever reason. We don't care about African people. We don't care about Africa. We don't care about the Middle East. You know, some of us do, but most of us, you know, are just, you know, content in our everyday lives to kind of be like, oh, it doesn't affect me, you know, because of, you know, whatever, you know, the clown in the White House is saying, you know, like, you know, like whatever he's spewing out, like we just don't pay attention to it. Like, I'm, I'm like, we believe what he's saying. I and also feel like people feel uh, uh, incapable. Yeah, completely. Of, of changing what they see. I mean, I think as much as it's apathy, it's helplessness. Yeah, I mean, like, we we just have to be open to the idea. We have to sort of, you know, sort of bridge these barriers more and, you know, obviously humanize the people. And that's what I felt that I've done in this book. Because um, over the four and a half years I was over there, obviously my job when I first got there was, you know, to snap photographs of, you know, their lives on a boat, um, our first interaction, you know, on the rib to, you know, seeing their boat crowded with people, you know, legs dangling over, you know, their faces, you know, just, you know, in all of, you know, just like what what have I experienced? You know, like who is, you know, 
who is this group of white people in front of me? You know, I don't know who they are. You know, like they were terrified of us. You know, like like they have they have no idea if we're from Libya or we're a charity ship or nothing. Hmm. So obviously, over the course of like I, I would say the first like six to eight months. My job became more sort of like testimonial collector. And I noticed that was more of what I wanted to shape the narrative. Um, Because obviously, you know, people would shout things at me. You know, people would say things on the boat to me, you know, just kind of in passing. And then I was just like, well, I mean, do you want to sit down and tell me your story? And then literally people would sit and, and like I would record their story for two and a half to three hours. And now it's like seven to eight pages typed up and I took about, I would say, over 150 in four and a half years. Hmm. So this book is a collection of like a couple different essays that I wrote, but essentially it's their voice. And that's the way I felt I could give back and sort of elevate their stories, but also elevate the crisis as well. So I think there's roughly 70 70 to 75 testimonials in the book. Um, And then um, everything is written literally how how they told me through a translator or how i told um or or how i wrote it down from them Mm. so it's their words nothing of mine i didn't change a single word um in their testimonial so that way then my voice is not in theirs so that way hopefully someone can pick through their story and maybe find something that they can sort of you know put themselves in that situation identify with i mean i think that's one of the really difficult challenges, especially right now when we talk about immigration uh, along the southern border in this country. Uh, but but as, as you point out, we don't even think about the kind of migrations that are taking place uh, across the globe uh, into other countries, uh, mostly from, from, from Africa and, and, and parts of Asia. But the difficulty is often that we can't, we can't understand why people would risk their lives the way they are to, to, to try to get to someplace else because that's just not our reality, and there is not enough empathy that we can generate to, to, to sort of understand and feel that. I know. It's mind-boggling to actually think that, that we would not do it that way, that we would just kind of like sit idly by and just like, you know, let this thing happen to us, where, where th- they take these chances. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's anywhere from, you know, like, like deaths in family where, you know, the young person is 15, you know, the mother and father die in a car accident or from a preventable disease. And then they sort of take off because they have six or seven other brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. And they do this journey alone, you know, through, you know, through all parts of like, you know, the horn of sub-Saharan Africa to Libya, or you got people who are, you know, whose villages are being burned down by, you know, ISIS sort of supporters or like Boko Haram. And you have, you know, obviously economical migrants, which, you know, for us, it's so easy. I mean, like we can lose a job. We can go somewhere else and get a job. They don't have that. They can't do that. A lot of them don't have jobs. You know, a lot of them, um, when I took their stories, um, you know, as soon as they're 13 or 14, they're pulled out of school Mm -hmm. by their parents to sort of tend to the farm because the one parent, you know, lost a leg because, again, like some preventable disease, you know. Or, you know, like, you know, the crop is just not there anymore. So, you know, like they take it upon themselves, you know, to risk their lives. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of them tell me that, like in the book, like I would say 90% of the stories I took, um, they go into great detail on why they did this and why people why need to understand, you know, why we all need to do this, why we all want a better future for ourselves. And that's all they want. You know, like they don't want to take our jobs, which is ridiculous. Ridiculous. Like they literally just want 
like a great education for themselves or their family. They want a great life. They wanted to be able to like actually have a job and make a living. They'll do jobs that we don't want to do. And, and, and obviously, you know, like they want to do jobs that they want to have that they've done over, you know, back in their homeland as yeah. well. I mean, yeah. I remember meeting um, a Syrian guy a couple of years ago. He ended up um, living in Turkey for, I think, four or five years. Um, Detroit um, 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 ended up taking him um, as an asylum. And he worked at like a five star restaurant in Syria for like 10 years was a was, you know, very well to do chef. Mm -hmm. And then now he's like sweeping up um, at DTW and he was doing this to, to provide for his family. Yes. You know, he doesn't want to. He feels, you know, sort of inadequate, you know, around like, sure. you know, his kids and his wife and everything. But he did this because, you know, he needed to provide he for them. To, yeah. yeah. And like, I don't know what it is, but like we don't seem to have that sort of yeah. same sense of responsibility yeah. to sort of, you know, take care of ourselves and our yeah. family. Yeah. All right. Kenny Karpov, visual and audio storyteller. We look forward to the book. Despite it all, we never learn. Yeah. yeah. And I can plug one more thing. Sure. Um, I will have a huge um, exhibition coming up in middle of November at M Contemporary Gallery. It's oh, going to have uh, 20 to 25 photographs. Um, audio uh, storytelling, uh, GoPro footage that I took, oh, and testimonials on display. Yeah. So this will be the, the four and a half years yeah. of sort of... Yeah. Of all of this work. Yeah, yeah. Well, finally. we'll look forward to that, and we will have you back when that uh, exhibition comes I would on. love it, but yeah. Thanks for being here. Yeah, always good seeing you, man. All right, it's good to see you, too. Uh, that's going to do it for me today. Remember, tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. at the Flint Public Library, we're going to have a discussion about Mona Hanna Atisha's book, what the eyes don't see. We would love if Detroiters would join us with uh, the folks from Flint uh, for that discussion. Uh, this is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again on Monday.